Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you, and you, thank you very much. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And, and this week, interestingly enough, as I started working on, on the rundown, a lot of updates, a lot of revisits, going back to some stories and some things we've covered before. We're going to take a look at something we talked about last week as the Ray Fisher saga took another chapter we uh, have a couple of Marvel casting rumors to talk about. That's some new news. One that broke today, Sunday, while we were recording. So I don't even know if my co-hosts, Tony and Dave, actually saw the news. But I did share it with them in the in the Bandwagon Nerds chat link. So hopefully they get a look at that. And then we're going to go back and revisit the uh, the streaming content taking over the world as a bunch of just interesting news bites came out this week. We had Netflix making a huge movie revelation announcement. Uh, Disney Plus and Netflix showed their, their data. And another chapter between Warner Brothers and uh, Legendary uh, seems to have come to a close and come to some resolution as um, as they uh, reached an agreement. And so we'll have some other news there. Before we get to that, I did mention we got some co-hosts. Uh, we've got our live studio audience, PC Tunney here, as always, as well as the lawyer, David Ungar. The Reverend Ray Cash, uh, not with us today. He's got some stuff going on at home, so that... You know, family first, right, fellas? And here we are, back on the bandwagon. How are you this fine day? I know Tony's in a good place. I'm doing well, actually. I, I, Ray is out on assignment with the family. I can tell you what's going on. I have an update. He is, he is in the midst of a 48 hour marathon Uno game with his kids. So that's heavy stuff. Man. Lots of lots of coffee, lots of Mountain Dew, lots of gummy worms. First. You know, that, that's what's that's what's going on. And and it's funny. There's three of them in one in a Uno in a game of Uno. Three people, one game of Uno. No, anyway, keep going. Don't listen to me. This is bad comedy. Bad. I mean, it was so bad that the live studio audience took care of the live studio audience. There, it was very nice. Dave, how are you, man? How, 
We're we're watching. We're we're recording on a Sunday. We've been talking hockey a lot. Uh, we talked hockey this morning on Chairshot Radio, or uh, on Sunday morning on Chairshot Radio. You're watching your your caps and your pens. We we in the third period yet? Uh, you know, just uh, kind of getting updates. I haven't. I don't know. It's it's blacked out because it's on NBC. But yeah, it looks like a good game. Pittsburgh's How is it blacked playing. out? It's on NBC. It, well, it's I got black, you guys. I got you guys covered. It's blacked out on the uh, on the app because it's on. You will you will know when someone scores. How's that sound? You guys okay with that? Yeah, I got. I it, it tells me whenever somebody scores. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you first. <laughs> Thank you. I'm watching live. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, and let's be honest, Ray is not in a marathon Uno game. He is somewhere. Yes. He's drinking heavily to because of the Ravens yesterday. So, Tony's drinking heavily because of the Packers. It's just it's but for different reasons. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the yin and the yang of the emotions of sports fans. If I may, real briefly, I am drinking a bottle of Hop Slam Ale from Bell's. They're out of Comstock, Michigan. It's ten percent. It's smoother than a baby's bottom. And if you're an IPA fan, be careful with it. Uh, but yes, I'm having one of them. It's very seasonal. It only comes out once a year. So go get it while you can. Thank you for my. Thank you for that time, sir. It sounds like the Packers. Only what comes out once a year. Man, let me tell you. I'm just happy. It was it was a lot of swearing, a lot of yelling. How is there a lot of swearing? You won like 32 to 14 or something. Like it was some obscene total. Okay, well, our, oh, 18. Our, oh, sorry. Our punter, our punter does something brilliant, and then he does something stupid, right? Like brilliantly catches the ball behind his head and still gets it down. And if Crosby could have noticed that the snap was off, he might have waited a second and been able to kick it. But then the punter gets up and does something stupid and goes, oh, shit, I'm going to get tackled here, Mason. You get tackled. And Mason Crosby, who's way more valuable than our fucking punter, gets fucking crushed. All right? So that wasn't great. The game should have been, if there was a good snap there, the game should have been 35 to 17. The two-point conversions wouldn't have been had by all the teams. There was three of them. I don't know why we went for the first two-point conversion. That was stupid. You got to remember it's 25 to 18 at one point in the game. It's only a seven-point game. So I understand it's different for you guys because you look on the outside and go, dude, you have Aaron Rodgers. Chill the fuck out. But at the same time, I've been a Packer fan. I've watched every single Packer game since Brett Favre took over and beat Cincinnati with a last-second bomb in the fourth quarter, okay? He didn't even start that game. He started his streak the next week. So I've seen only two Super Bowl wins. I've seen plenty of Hall of Fame quarterbacking lose playoff games. Go ahead, Bears fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you really that, that really crushed your soul a little bit, didn't you? Deshaun oh, Watson no. wants out. How about oh, that? No. We could actually be in trouble if you had Deshaun Watson with that defense. The problem is, is you still have an incapable coach. Like you have an offensive coordinator as a coach who can't even fucking call plays anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Have, I just want to. I just want to. You bitched about two Super Bowl victories in the last how many years? Oh. Nineteen eighty-five. Most Bear fans weren't even alive the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl. I was in second grade. Last Go time. Go through the NFC Championship game the Packers played against the Seahawks as a fan once. Go through that game once and see how that treats you. See what that does to you. Go through that once. That game was ridiculous. It was 16 to nothing at halftime. 
They have a two-point conversion where Russell Wilson is almost on the ground and throws it up in the air like a fucking lollipop. The ball, like he's playing popcorn. Like he's going to throw it up and clap as many fucking times as he can until he can catch the ball. And the guy still makes the play. And then we got the onside kick. We don't even have to talk about that. We cut that motherfucker. He's out the door. Okay, I muted Tony here for a second. Kids, <laughs> listening to a Packer fan talk to a Bear fan as if they're somehow a more miserable fan base after the shit dumpster fire that is the Chicago Bears is just laughable at best. Come on, dude. Now, Tony, in order for you to talk, you're going to have to unmute yourself because I cannot unmute myself. Live long and prosper as he as he shows us up. I, I see. Don't hear Lesson, lesson here. Don't get me started on the Packers. I apologize. I'm done for the episode on the Packers. Spock's on her. There, there you go. Uh, you know, and Dave, you know, with your Washington football team, at least you put forth the noble effort last week. At least your team showed up and put forth an effort. Whereas the Bears, it was like watching the death by a thousand paper cuts. The second that bomb went through what's-his-nuts-his hands, and just drop to the turf, like just the easiest catch you could possibly make. And it just, can I, I can I admit I something to you? I'm going to admit something to you. When I messaged you and said, how do you like that, Pat? I thought he caught the ball. So when I came back, like, no yeah, when I came back, like 15 minutes later, my nephew's like, God, this game sucks. It's just seven, nothing. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Seven? It's got to be seven, seven. Chicago just got a touchdown. He goes, are we on a delay or something? And I, I did not know. That that guy, I thought it was so automatic and such an easy catch that my brain told me he caught the ball. And then you sent that one thing and I was like, oh, what an idiot. Yeah, everything is bad and it hurts when it comes to Chicago Bear fandom. And as Tony alluded to, we're rewarding ineptitude by keeping our head coach and offensive coordinator because ownership is out of touch. Everything sucks. I hate them. I hate my own team. I hate them, hate them, hate them. Listen, I already told you what I wasn't going to talk about. At the same time, I heard Jay Cutler's working out, so things might be looking up for you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you know. know. I could use. Just, I was. I was never. I I could use Jay Cutler at this point. I I don't know somebody who can throw a football, um, but then you still need a competent coach. Anyway, this isn't three-man weave this isn't dave and i's chair shot radio where we've decided we're going to basically talk sports probably high we definitely are going to talk hockey uh you're li- if you're, li- you're listening to this on monday you if you're listening to this on monday dave and i uh reached our conclusion on chair shot radio on sunday that we are gonna just do a rundown and a, and a take of the season try not to be too hot takey on a on a two-game start but next week we'll have a lot more games under the belt start to see some of the cream rise at the top and that's been that's very exciting um, be sure you're checking out chair shot radio every morning at 8 a.m a rotating group of hosts and co- including all three of us on different days of the week everybody's talking about something a little different you get a little bit of wrestling some entertainment some sports what is it sports entertainment and sports entertainment on the chairshot.com and i don't if you have the thing you can play the thing but i don't i don't have the thing oh um, the somebody saying chairshot.com always use oh, your head sure. i just i just I have the not allowed to use open oh i gotta send you some stuff man i gotta send you some stuff yeah All i gotta right, get some go. stuff i got you TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. 
That's right. We are on the chairshot.com, the chairshot radio network. We are going to talk some great stuff today. I forgot to mention as I was running down the episode, fellas, that the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk WandaVision. As WandaVision is here, Disney Plus dropped its first two episodes on Friday. And Dave and I were the last two to the party. I remember getting a message on Friday from Tunney's initial review very, very early, followed by Ray Cash. And then Dave and I, yesterday, or, um, when we were recording Chair Shot Radio, both of us before we started recording, have you watched WandaVision yet? No, not yet, man. Uh, we knew we'd get to it. Uh, nice, nice thing. First two episodes are both around half an hour long. Episode two is a little bit longer than episode one. And to give kind of a rundown, you're put into this show just kind of in the middle of stuff. And it's set up like an old 1950s sitcom a la the Dick Van Dyke show, Bewitched. A lot of those old um, classic television sitcoms that you would see with canned laugh track and all of that, filmed in black and white. And I think the Bewitched vibe is probably the biggest vibe you get out of the show as it's Wanda and Vision pretending to be, quote unquote, a normal suburban couple in Westview, wherever Westview is. And there is a cast of characters around it. And within this trope, there's all these tropes that are used from those classic sitcoms, from Catherine Hahn being the nosy neighbor to Vision trying to impress his boss for a promotion. Like that's just right out of the cookbook of situational comedy and it's it's done very very slick but you know there's something not right about what you're experiencing as there are different moments particularly in uh the way people act or react at different times and you then get your your sort of your biggest clue at the end of both episodes as it seems that somebody is watching what's going on from a monitor somewhere and what will that all mean so a lot to break down, but this is our first impressions of WandaVision, so let's get around the table and start with that. Initial reactions, David, what what did you take away on your first your first blush of WandaVision? It's very strange <clears throat> to be to be blunt about it. It is a Doctor Strange. Not well, it could be that coming up, but it's it's just weird, you know? I mean, you're watching this and 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 like you're saying, Pat, they just kind of drop you in the middle of, I mean, like the first episode was kind of had a, I don't know, maybe the I Love Lucy vibe a little bit to it, you know, with what was going on. You know, you know these guys just, nothing's going right and they're trying to impress their boss. And then the second episode definitely like pushed it forward into bewitched territory. You know, her Wanda's hairstyle changed, that sort of thing. Vision <laughs> ends up swallowing a piece of gum and it gums up the works literally. Uh that's all fine and great. It's it's the stuff that you don't know and and things the little Easter eggs that pop in here here and there to kind of give you an idea that yeah this is not all it's supposed to be. You keep hearing somebody somebody's voice in the background saying Wanda, who's doing this to you? Uh, the second episode, you get the the only colorized thing in the whole thing is a helicopter, like a toy helicopter with the sword logo on there. It's cool. It's very strange. Like I said, very strange, kind of odd, but you get the idea. Like I know Ray and I, cause Ray can't be here, but we were talking a lot in the chat about it. Um, it just feels like the tip of the iceberg. We are just barely scraping the surface of how deep this rabbit hole goes. And it raises all sorts of questions as to what's going on with Wanda. Who's doing this to Wanda. 
Is she doing this to herself? Is Vision really alive or is this all conjured up in her mind? And how does Sword play into this thing? And, and you know, I mean, at the end of the first, the second episode, Wanda's pregnant, which is going down the same path you and I have speculated for months now, Pat, that they're going to do a variation of House of M. And the whole idea that people have come out that instead of saying no more mutants, she creates mutants, now suddenly has a little bit more credibility to it. There's a ton to try and unpack in these two episodes that for nerdy, nerdy, nerdy people like us, we know all this backstory and it's great. You know, for somebody who is a true bandwagoner, they're probably like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, so I I enjoyed the first two episodes. I, it's just to me, it's like, OK, I want to see how this all plays out. And what's really Dave, happening. I love you. I love you so much. I was like, Dave, what are your first impressions? And you just gave me your entire analysis of the whole episode. I love it. <laughs> where, As Dave's where, first I was like, where am I going to stop? <laughs> it's like, I could do it, but where do I stop and stop talking? I mean, there's so much to uh, try and unpack. Uh, there and- is a lot to unpack. Tony, what about you? What were your first impressions? Just, you know, first glance at this show. What do you, what'd you think? Well, he, he, let me just start. I got, I'll do, I'll do this in three parts quickly. First, Here's my tweet after watching. It was good, really good. A slow start to what no doubt will have us asking more and more questions each time a question is answered. Wanda, who is doing this to you, right? Okay, so it's going to reveal, it's it's such an onion show, and that's great, and we love layers, right? And we know all the layers for it. So now I have a, I have a question and I have an answer. Which, which would you like first? Let's do the question. Let's just do them right in the order. Okay, so I think the beginning of the story is the beginning of the story, right where they showed you. I think, would you guys agree with me that this whole thing, whatever, whoever's doing this to her or she's doing it to herself, starts when you start watching the beginning of the first episode because they have to figure out their story. They don't even realize what's going on to start for the most part, right? Like they're kind of just spitting lines out, walking into plates and everything else. So my question to you is, do you think we saw the beginning of what's going on. Uh, yeah, I think that whatever. You know what, yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? Do you think yeah, that's I the think start I, of I this? I do think it's the start of this. I think, and, it, and it's going to pro- progressively deteriorate as she kind of keeps trying to fix things. Like that—that's kind of the, my been my impression is that there's this like idealized notion or idealized reality that she's trying to create here. And they're using it through the window of a sitcom. And that's why she doesn't like, that's why things keep changing. It's because she keeps trying to make them change so that they fit and it's perfect and it's wonderful. Um, And I really look at this as a real metaphor for trauma and managing the trauma of losing vision and losing this person that she loved. Like, you know, we, we, the last time we've seen Wanda, is at the end of uh, Endgame, standing next to Hawkeye, kind of talking like she's fine. But, you know, this show kind of takes that moment and puts it in a new meaning because it almost, to me now, is like she knew or she had an idea of what she was going to try to do while she's standing there talking to him. And he's like, I wonder if they know. And she's like, oh, he knows. Or they know, I think is what she says. Um so I think it's a I think it's a transition to that, but I think we're just getting started there. Um, what I do think is interesting is the change that the MCU made to Sword that I think is important to pay attention to because I think it goes to the answer to your uh, the answer to that question as well, Tony. 
Uh, Sword in the Marvel comics is sentient world observation and response department. According to the MCU and everything I've said so far, Sword actually in the MCU is standing for sentient weapon observation and response department, which, you know, if you want to go too far down the rabbit hole, tells me that they've known something is up with Wanda and needs to be watched since before, like probably since Civil War. That would be my guess. Like we get our first look at Sword in Spider-Man Homecoming or Far From Home. You ruined it. Civil God War. God damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. I had the same idea. <laughs> uh, my bad. My bad. It's okay. Great, great minds thinking alike, I guess. Right. That's that's what we're gonna say. Um, is we're just so we're we're so in sync. It's like we're dancing. So let me ask you this, guys. If we are coming in at the beginning of this, like we're starting this with Wanda, when she starts this, does that lend more credibility to the uh, theory that she's the one who's doing this to herself? She's creating this own reality for herself because otherwise it it would seem like there would be a different reaction. Like if sword had put her in a matrix like environment and she's there for the first time, she's like, wait, vision is dead. What is he here as my husband? What the hell is going on? Um, To me, it would, it would lend credibility to the fact that she's doing this to herself and they're monitoring whatever she's doing to make sure she doesn't get too out of control. Well, she's in control too, though. I mean, the things that she doesn't want to have happen, like she, she, she's allowed to rewind and, and start over, like we see at the end of the second episode, right? I mean, whatever's going on with the beekeeper coming out of the sewer, she didn't want to have anything to do with it. She was able to go and then kiss him, and now we got color, you know, on the on episode three. So it's it's got to be that she's controlling whatever's going on. Maybe someone else is doing this to her, and 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 they're making, but she's still in control. Like some part of it is she's still in control. That that's definite. BTW. My answer uh, was uh, Westview is about an hour and a half from Springfield. So ah, nice. Maybe the Simpsons will show up. <laughs> now that would did be you, something. Did you catch the hey, Street Profits uh, Simpsons reference on SmackDown? Yep. I did not because I did not watch SmackDown this week. Sorry. I'm a terrible person. I do your words. No, I, I'm, Pat, we know I'm, you want you want the smoke. It's all right, Pat. We know. Right. Okay. Um. So let's talk some Easter eggs. Some things that maybe we saw, or or at least that I noticed that uh, that kind of stuck out. The commercials. I'm gonna I'm gonna start there. What do the commercials mean? They're two very different commercials, and that toaster was not a toaster. That's all. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. Stark Industries, right? That's what it says on that on the toaster. Yeah. Yep. And then was, it, was the other one the watch? The watch, the Strucker watch, with the, with the Hydra logo on the watch. Right. And so I don't know if that means that Hydra's involved. I don't know what it means. I've seen one theory that maybe that this is like a, a subtle nod to her history, uh, with kind of stark and the the ticking of a time bomb because if you remember back in age of ultron you know they taught her and uh quicksilver share that they were like buried under rubble from stark bombs and then it felt like time was ticking away and one false move would cause them to die 
uh, or, or cause them to lose their life. I don't know if that's, if that's overthinking or what, but then if you, you know, if you take that to the next step, Strucker was the one that found them with Hydra and they volunteered to be part of Strucker's program as they were being experimented on, uh, afterwards, kind of how they got their powers through the, um, the infinity stone. I can't remember which infinity stone it was. It wasn't the Tesseract. It was the, uh, no, well, the Mind Stone was Visions. It was right? the Mind Stone. No, it wasn't. Yeah, the, it was the it was the Mind Stone. Yeah, it was Visions. The Mind Stone. So, that those were two. Um, if you look in the opening credits, uh, and I can't remember which one, if it's Episode One or Two, you see the headdress of the Grim Reaper, um, the Marvel Grim Reaper character in the in the credits. So people are wondering if if that's a harbinger of things to come or just a nifty little, uh, nifty little Easter egg. It's a little too early to tell. I agree. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, like we've been saying, it's so much to unpack and so much wild speculation as to where we're going. And it's, and, it, and that's the fun part is the first two episodes are like, okay, the episodes standing on their own, they're kind of corny and, and that sort of they're thing. So- and they're supposed to be exactly. Cause you're looking at the time frame. It's like a, a microcosm of fifties and sixties sitcoms that you get to see, I remember this. I remember how bewitched was and that sort of right. thing. Well, you get the shout out to the Dick Van Dyke show too, where he doesn't trip over the chair or the ottoman or whatever it is when he comes through. You kind of see him stumble through it, right? As opposed to where that's right. where he's supposed to fall, right? There's so many homages to different sitcoms. I really loved that part of it. Uh, that in the midst of this story that they're telling, you are getting this homage to classic sitcom television whether it's like you said dave i love lucy bewitched the dick van dyke show when, when they bring the beds together uh like that big taboo thing because you know they're like the center like the the honeymooners you know i had separate beds i love lucy separate beds all that stuff really great stuff really great stuff the neighborhoods being fake grass do you think we're gonna go th- through time and how rapidly do you think we're going to go through time? Do you think like at some point in the season, we're going to be like more sixties than seventies than eighties, like throughout I, the, do you think that's something that's going I to happen? Maybe it goes forth too. Episode three is going to be Brady bunch full on Brady bunch. You can already see it coming. I've seen some of the trailers. It's Brady bunch. And I think that's episode three, three kids episode three. instead of just one. When you come back, that's right. Right. Or there could be some partridge the family thrown in there. There, There's yeah. definitely, Who's the pet? The pet's got to be somebody something, right? Come on now. I'm calling that right now. The the thing is, is this is definitely going to do some nods to these various eras because they've shown it in the trailers. Like there's Catherine Hahn with the side ponytail in the 80s workout gear. I I think it's her that's in there, which, by the way, Agnes, we're all in agreement. Agnes knows more than she's letting on. Well, yeah, I mean, we already seen a trailer where that's given away, so... Agnes is the control. Agnes is the control. That's a good. What about about Monica Rambeau? Monica Rambeau showed up in episode two. Yeah, she does. I mean, and there's there's ties. You know, Sword, Captain Marvel, Nick Fury, all that stuff is all tied together. Um, I think I one thing is clear. It seems so far that Phase Four of this of Marvel is going to shift heavily into the cosmic aspects of things, which lends itself to all sorts of possibilities, you know. Yeah, you got what do we think of Dottie? Uh 
you know, the the control the controlling uh she's the one who was in charge of the magic show the I talent think, show i think she's your control i think your neighbor is someone else that's like in there to with a separate agenda Dottie felt almost like a synthesoid to me, like another android like vision sort of thing going on because something wasn't registering with her. Well, a lot of people aren't. I mean, none of these people are basically you feel like they're real because look at like the dinner with the with the boss. None of them are real. (laughs) It all is right. I mean, yeah, that's you. You just you get that point that like. So you kind of figure that no matter what happens, at some point these characters have a reset or a or a or a, or a governor to where they can only they can only react in so many ways, right? Like at the end of the night, the boss they had a great time, right? And and it started out with her coming out and in her fucking nightgown and everything else, you know. I mean, right. pulls the pulls right. the meat out of his throat. The wife was kind of stuck like on a record on a glitch. Just keep saying the ha ha oh stop it ha 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 oh stop it and then we get the you know the the different camera views and everything else so there there are a lot of parallels there, there are a lot of parallels between the show and between like, the show like and the matrix like, like the matrix it seemed you know like seemed, glitches in the matrix and things like that Tony I agree last thing that I had that I wanted to talk about we talked about the helicopter and I don't want to talk about the helicopter itself and the sword logo but what I did want to talk about was its use of color. That's the first color we get in the show. And I don't think those col- that color scheme is an accident. Looked kind of uh, Iron Man-ish, didn't it? It looked very stark, yes. And I think what I'm very, like, we keep talking about Phase 4, the Stark legacy and his influence. How is that going to play into this show? How is that going to play into the MCU going forward? Because this is the first first four way. I you know, and I think it'll be more so in some than others. Because Tony Stark was, you know, I'll go back to Civil War. You know, Tony jokingly was like, you ruined it, opened up his hoodie to reveal the Civil War shirt underneath. She calls him she she says to Tony Stark in that movie when she's leaving, or when she's like fighting him, that he locked her up in her room. And I don't know if she created that color or if that's just something that broke through the illusion, but I don't think it's an accident that as you kind of look at this, whether it's her own psychic prison or somewhere she's being held and observed that she would envision the sword logo on this toy helicopter. And it would be in the classic Iron Man red and gold. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. I I like the theory. Yeah, it's a just uh, update. Yeah, Patrick doesn't care, Tony. It's DC News. Yay! Zack Snyder's gonna make his long, insufferable movie even fucking longer. Awesome. Wasn't it always supposed to be four hours? It's supposed to be like four one-hour installments, right? Parts. Oh, I thought it was two two-hour parts. I thought thought maybe now we were getting eight hours of... For the people at home, Justice League confirmed to be a four-hour movie, which really isn't confirming anything we didn't already know. But getting back to WandaVision... um, Right. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing with Tony is when we leave from Endgame, like you were talking earlier, Pat, the last time we saw Wanda, she was standing next to Hawkeye, both of them dealing with massive losses. You know, Hawkeye losing Nat... Um, Wanda losing vision and, and 
everybody losing Tony. So there is this whole thread running around there that everybody's dealing with loss. Everybody had to deal with the loss of uh, loss of Tony at the end of this thing. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, does does Tony does that color scheme symbolize trauma? Is it is it like a a a, a triggering mechanism for her? Something that they've pre you know almost like Winter Soldier where they say that shit in Russian that makes him turn into Winter Soldier again. Does she have some sort of trigger that that this thing does? I, and I don't know. Sorry, you well, said trigger, and I thought of that stupid GIF, the, the trigger, trigger warning. Oh, I'll show it to you later. What What makes it even more interesting though is how do you connect those two things that happened before they kissed and the whole world turned color, right? I mean, like, so how does that all fit together? I don't know, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more of the curtain pulled back uh, this coming Friday for and, episode and three. Here's the thing. If Wanda, I feel like it, memory, it, I feel like the memories unlock the color. And, and and if Wanda is in control of this, then, you know, it's weird because in her ideal world, then these sitcoms are, are her ideal world. And it's just not working. You know, something's going wrong with the first one with the fifties and sixties thing. Now the bewitched thing. All right, let me pull it forward and try this. So she, if she's in control, she's almost doing trial and error to see, okay, which one of these scenarios is actually going to work out perfectly for me and vision. And can I, of course you can. Can I, can I ask for a, can I ask for a, um, a, a, an awesome new Marvel character and a cameo that would be perfect for this as a villain, as a one episode villain. If Jim Carrey would reprise his role as the cable guy for one episode. Of- <laughs> oh, God. As a villain. That'd be awesome. You son of a bitch. Best Jim Carrey movie out there. Um, I'm sorry. Best Jim Carrey comedy out there for my money. I hate Ace Ventura. Hey, I was just blow drying my hair. I thought you might have called. Give me a call back. We'll talk about it. <laughs> right. Right. It's good stuff. Good stuff. There were no utensils at medieval during medieval times. Therefore, there are no utensils at medieval times. All right. That'll put a bow on our first two episodes as Tony wants to get in another cable guy quote. Get it in. The password is fourth again. (laughs) It never gets old. It never gets old. It's a good, good one. I'm changing my password on the chair shot to foreskin, Tony, just so you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. All right. We have ventured far afield of WandaVision, so we're going to put a bow on the first two episodes. Congratulations, fellas. Good start. Solid start. Yeah, I think uh, one other thing to, to kind of get to, this is definitely not the type of series where if you haven't been following along with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you can jump in. Uh, and I laughed cause I saw a time magazine review where the reviewer clearly had not seen anything to do with the MCU. And they were just like, nobody's going to know what the show is about. And I, I kind of want to be like, that's cause most millions of people watching the show saw the other stuff. The like, show's not for you, dude. It's for the hardcores who've been well, following along for a decade. It, and let's be honest, the guy for Time Magazine who writes the review or the gal or whoever, like these people for some of these bigger things, you just get assigned what you're going to watch. Like you have to watch this thing. So and they have to review it from a lens like and they they they're supposed to review it on its merit as a, as a film on its own, which is always a challenge for anything that's part of a continuity. But let's stick with the realm of Marvel. We're going to transition into a couple of casting rumors, one that set 
the nerdosphere on fire for about 24 hours when it was reported that Chris Evans was in negotiations and coming close to closing a deal to return to the MCU as Captain America. There's a second part to this, but when we first saw the initial report, what were our thoughts? Because mine was, how? Just how? Uh, no real good way, unless they're going to introduce Kobik and the Cosmic Cube. I don't know how you turn back the clock and make him young again. If I could turn back time. God damn. Getting the share song if out I of this? find my way. Meanwhile, the Caps and Penguins are going to a shootout. <laughs> oh, the drama of a shootout in the hockey. Well, here's the good news. For those of us who were like, well, okay, but how? Chris Evans then threw cold water over the whole thing by saying that his reported return as Captain America is, quote, news to me. Wah, 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 wah. This is a good thing. I, I We don't need more Captain America, Chris Evans' Captain America. We just don't. Wow. That story... Whether you liked the coda or the finish or however, like whether you think that his ending made sense, his story arc came to a pretty damn complete close. And there's literally no reason to bring Captain America back other than dollar, 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 dollar bills, y'all. See, now I can buy the story that Chris is saying that there is nothing to this whole thing that we're going to make another MCU movie. Will I completely discount the fact that Chris may come back to do a cameo as Captain America here and there? That, I think, has got more meat on the bone. And he hasn't... That's what I've heard from the stuff I've read, that they're talking more in a cameo role. I agree. There's not going to be another MCU Captain America movie with Chris Evans, but could he show up in something like WandaVision, where reality's being bent in a weird way? Sure, that's possible. Um you know, so I think I think it's it's like everything else with these casting rumors in the MCU where, oh, no, I haven't heard anything like that. And then two months later, there they are. So I heard I've heard rumors of Jim Carrey playing the cable guy in this thing. So obviously you could obviously have Chris yeah, Evans. But come you back started that rumor. So there's a difference. So. Oh, I knew I heard that somewhere. <laughs> I I would uh, not. I would not. I think if we're, if we're going cosmic, I want to get Vance Astro. Woo, there you go. Is that is that almost looks like blue suit Superman with the shield? But it's Vance Astro. Okay, that's right. It is. No, I'm, I'm not even like he's well, a guardian his, of the galaxy. He cut his head off, so I couldn't tell. Oh, I'm sorry, jeez, man. <laughs> I was a co- copy and paste. I just copied the image. I'm going to take your word for it because you're more versed in that character than I am. But you guys really think that it's it's beyond the realm of possibility that Chris could come back and make a one off or a two off or something like that? Yeah, I mean, if he does an appearance a la like he did in Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, where it's something like that, sure. Like, yeah, that's, but that's not, I, and, and I get it. Part of it is just the way that it was reported. It's a hyperbolic style of reporting to get everybody excited with, ooh, another Captain America movie. Like, I get it. Uh, and that's just disingenuous reporting. It's like wrestling reporting. Uh oh. Where we, we just make the headline sound bigger than it is. Clickbait. No, are, am clickbait. I wrong? It's clickbait. Yeah, yeah I mean. it's, it's clickbait. But it was a clickbait that caught like wildfire to the point that Chris Evans had to be like, that's news to me. We have a final. I'm going to assume Pittsburgh won. 
We have a final and a shootout. The first three shots on each each side of the shootout were stopped. Pittsburgh was successful on their fourth shootout attempt, and the Caps were not. Pittsburgh winners in a shootout, four to three. Oh well, at least we got a point out of it. See you in a couple. See in a couple nights, Pittsburgh. So, Dave, I can't wait for the NFL football game. There you go, Dave. I can't wait for you to talk about the Washington Caps uh, for your your team sucks segment. That'll be good. Wow, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about with the Caps sucking. Tony, did you did you catch that? That that's going to be a segment on our on our Chair Shot Radio show. We're just going to break down every team and talk about how they suck. You guys are great. You guys are doing a great job. Yes, I've been listening. Bury the Dallas Cowboys next week, and I can't wait for. Tony, you should guest. You should guest host on that. No, 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 no. Just go easy on my boy Romo. That's all I'm going to ask. It's not Romo's fault. Uh, okay. Oh, we're going to fight. Yeah, Romo, uh, yeah. We'll we'll save it for next week, man. That, we don't need to we don't need to bury Tony here. He's a great golfer. I'll give a, him that much. I'll give him that much. Yeah, time. he was a he, he was a year ahead of me in high school, so we played against each other and stuff in high school. Golf or football? Little league. Oh, and then and all right. I didn't. I seen. I, I didn't play football, but I was there. But I, we played against each other in little. A lot of jokes know. amongst Washington football fans about Tony Romo. That's all I can say. Yeah, I, I think a Washington football team joking about any opponent is kind of, well, generous. It's like that. Jay and, Cutler, Tony was one of the Washington football team's best quarterbacks, you know. So yeah, right. Jay Cutler. So there was there was another bit of casting news that dropped out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and dropped today. How dare you all besmirch the good name of Tony Romo? And that is not. he's a Wisconsin boy. You're you're playing along. It's fine. Ethan Hawke has been reported today as being cast as a villain in the upcoming Moon Knight series. Now, I'm going to own that I know Jack and shit about Moonlight and Jack left town. He is uh, he is not. He's just not one of those characters that is a major like. MCU Prime, if you will. Like, you don't jump to Moon Knight as, oh, yeah, Moon Knight, that weird dude who's obsessed with ancient Egyptian culture and is sort of like Batman, but a little crazy and may not be entirely like Batman, but because he wears all white, but he like floats around in the dark and fights crimes and stuff. Like, that's that's kind of it. Come on, Pat. Comparing Moon Knight to Batman, that's. That's, no, like comparing I'm not, I'm not Tony, that's like comparing Tony Romo to no, Roger no, Staubach. You fucking shut up about Tony Romo. I will mute you too, sir. I've muted Tony once. I can get drunk with power. I didn't do it. Sorry. Had to go there. Go ahead. I love you, Tony Romo. You are a much maligned figure in Dallas Cowboy history. Anyway. um, So, solid casting, right? What are, what are our thoughts on Ethan Hawke as a villain? I don't know that I've ever really seen him in that kind of role. Like Gattaca, he was a hero. I, he's a he's a really good actor. I mean, I I don't I don't begrudge him that. I just like you, Pat. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, like you're saying, Moon Knight is one of those second tier mid carters. I would call him a mid carter in the Marvel universe, where he's not, not even upper card. Like he's yeah. like a he's like a Val Venus, yeah, level D'Lo Brown. Oh, no disrespect to D'Lo Brown. Sorry, Tony. But you know, I mean, Moon Knight is just kind of like okay. You announced. 
Yeah, he is a new announcer. That's right. But, uh, you know, I mean, with Moon Knight, it's like, well, it'll be cool to see what they do with him because I, I want to learn more about the character. Uh, he's 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 different for sure. You know, he's different. He fits into the, some of this more cosmic interdimensional sort of stuff where it seems the MCU is kind of going in that direction. At least part of it is. So but as far as Ethan Hawke, adding him to that lineup, uh yeah, I would say it, it legitimizes the show immediately because it's like, well, he's a recognizable face. We've seen him do some stuff. I'm not entirely familiar with all of his work. What I've seen of him has been impressive. And yeah, I keep going back to Dead Poets Society. He was very, very young back then, but what a performance he did there. Um, so, I mean, that's cool. I mean, Marvel Marvel's great at getting some of these heavy hitters and, and names that you recognize along with new names that you've only heard a little smattering of. Moon Knight's going to be one of those series that along with like She-Hulk, I'm like really curious. Okay, what are they going to do with this? And and how does this fit in? Because it seems WandaVision is going to, if it, we learn anything from the first two episodes, they're trying to fit all this stuff in together in one continuity, which when you've got 10 different shows going like they're going to have is going to be extremely challenging. So he can, yeah, well, let's see. He, so he can change into different personalities. In some iterations, yeah. Okay. Kind of like Dark Man. I got you. I was just reading a little bit of the back history. The son of a Jewish rabbi who escaped Germany on the eve of the th- rise of the Third Reich. He became a boxer and then joins the Marines and works with the CIA. I like him there already. I like him already, just on the bio. Yeah, just just a normal path to superherodom. That Mark Spector, I tell you. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the casting because I think Ethan Hawke is a hell of an actor. And so, regard you know whatever character he plays, I'm sure he's going to do a great job. Even in bad Ethan Hawke movies, he's good. I just don't know that I can think of a movie off the top of my head where he's been the villain. Right? It's kind of like trying to picture Ewan McGregor as a villain until after Birds of Prey, and you're like, oh, I yeah. can, I see it now. That's a good analogy. I mean, he was he knocked it out of the park in that in that movie. I yeah, Ewan was phenomenal. I, it, it, there's it's just it's a fun time right now with uh yeah moon knight there you go he's a he's like like we we're saying he's he does have that utility belt like batman does so um he fights with the staff sometimes and he throws boomerangs like shaped like moons razor razor yeah throwing uh and he's got nunchucks and razor else. you mean like hey yo or a different kind of razor hey okay. Okay. razor throwing stars basically gotcha, gotcha. I know, the people this, the people can't hear me throwing stars, right? They can't hear me doing this. This, this hey, show can you, is can you hear this? Can you hear this? Listen again. Listen again. No, they can't. They can't hear it. We don't have that sound bite. Have that sound. No, I, I have like I have sound bites like this though. In playoffs, I'm gonna make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. Like, like that's that's what I got. I got I got to work on the sound bites. Is he clean? If he's clean, let him in. Don't take off his shoes. Oh boy, Swiggers, another underrated flick. Uh, last thing before we go to break, last uh, last little bit, we talked to, we talked about the never-ending saga that is the Ray Fisher story with Warner Brothers. And interestingly enough, I posed the question last week: Is this over? Um, David Ungar, I asked the question of the group of, of whether the Ray Fisher saga was over, and I said, Dave, you responded with, probably not, and then you. Probably not. And Ray also on his Twitter, uh, Ray Ray Cash actually is the one who shared it with us. That says, you know, please read. 
And he talks a little bit more about December 30th. He talks he talks about being removed from the Flash. Uh, the upcoming movie. And then he talked about how on December 30th, production associated with the current president of DC Films, Walter Hamada. The reasoning behind that declaration was twofold. One, Walter's purposeful attempt to undermine the Justice League investigation in order to protect his friend and former co-president Jeff Johns. And then two, Walter's attempt to protect himself by contributing to the public dissemination of lies and misinformation about myself and the Justice League investigation and Warner Brothers' September 4th statement to the rap. He then proceeds to talk about stuff that I feel like he's already shared. I can tell you Walter Hamada uh, talking about um, how Hamada escalated it. There's a second part that, um, you know, he kind of at the very end sort of shared what his responsibilities are and have been to talking about this discriminatory, discriminatory behavior that was apparently perpetuated by Joss Whedon. Um, but basically he has put it back into Warner brothers court. Uh, I have not seen any sort of response from Warner brothers. The statement that, that Fisher released is quite long, which is why I didn't read the whole thing here. But again, what, I, I keep coming back to this because I don't know what to make of it, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't know what to make of who's right, who's not right, who, what really happened when you've got Ray Fisher basically doubling down on something that will seriously impact his career. I just feel like there's more there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, he, Obviously has something to talk about and 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 wants to get it out there and the hell with the consequences and whether I get blacklisted or not, this is what happened. I, I need I need to make sure people know about this and <clears throat> who knows? That's what really happened. Who knows? It, it's we've been saying that since right. the story first broke. Who knows what happened? But it's obviously something very personal to Ray that he feels very strongly about. He's very passionate about. Like you're saying, Pat, he's obviously doing this with full knowledge of the ramifications that it's not going to help his career. It's not going to further his career, but he doesn't care, which almost lends some credibility to what he's saying. You know, why would you put your neck on the chopping block like this unless there was some truth to it? So, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and, and it's like, well, he's got to feel really confident in the fact that the truth will out. And this is what it is. And, 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 you know, Warder and, and Hamada and, and, and Joss and Jeff Johns and all those guys are really either they're curiously quiet because they just don't have a response or they're curiously quiet because like this is all just bullshit and let them rant and let them rave and it'll all blow over. So, yeah, I mean, are we done with this situation? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently that's going to be persisting for a while. This is the story that never ends. I hereby promise to put a moratorium on the Ray Fisher story uh, for a couple of shows. If for no other reason than I won't be at one, but I do feel like we've kind of hammered this down uh, quite a bit. It just, it just seems to continue to evolve and it continues to add new layers, layers and new drama. But I think this is a good place to take a quick commercial break. 
Uh, before I send us over to the recorded chair shot stuff, it's my duty to remind you that if you love what we do over here at the chairshot.com, if you love chair shot radio, if you love bandwagon nerds, if you love winners, you, if you love the DWI podcast, pod is war, the Greg DeMarco show, all of our content, please head over to pro wrestling tees.com forward slash the forward slash the chair shot. And take a look at the products that we have to offer uh, and and buy a shirt. We've got some great stuff over there. Uh, we've got our traditional chairshot.com, um, the old logo. We've got some of our greatest catchphrases like Jesus did the job, hashtag save tag team wrestling. We've got um, shirts for the shows, including bandwagon nerds and a winner is you. And every purchase helps us keep doing what we do, helps keep our little podcasting network going helps us give you quality premium content every week we work tire tirelessly to get it done and the best way that you can show your support is to is to support us through pro wrestling or any one of our sponsors um yeah i think that's about it shirts are 19.99 or if you're feeling fancy spend a little bit more and get them soft style and uh and tony's leaning in what do you got for us big guy Pat, you're money, baby. You don't even know it. You're so money, and you don't even know it. I am so money, but you all should spend your money over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and keep our great program going and all the great programs on the chairshot.com and the chairshot radio network going. When we come back, we are going to return to our visit of streaming content taking over the world as there is tons of news to be had. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hey, do you know what Greg's new nickname is? No. It's Gregberg. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's some good stuff. Good stuff. Welcome back in to Bandwagon Nerds, everyone. So a few a few weeks ago, it's been about a good month ago, we had a, a fairly lively discussion in the wake of the Warner Brothers announcement of them releasing their theater theatrical releases on HBO max concurrently for the first month with, um, with them being released in the theaters. And we had 
one of our bigger panels because we had uh, Christopher Platt was on the show. Ray was here. Uh, obviously, yes, Tanya and Dave were both here to talk about this. And we, you know, kind of went back and forth about what this is really going to mean. Chris talked a little bit about what it means for the artist and was very concerned about like this being the wild west and who's going to get credit for what. And in this last week, there's just been a ton of news that I just, I felt was worth talking about that kind of comes back to this because one of the, one of the stories that we've been following that we talked about in this previous month was the back and forth between Warner brothers and uh, legendary pictures who, if you'll all recall, had a stake in the funding of two films, Godzilla versus King Kong or Godzilla versus Kong and Dune. And news was released uh, yesterday that Godzilla versus Kong is coming two months early and is set for a March release in theaters and on HBO Max. So that worked out because apparently Kong versus Godzilla versus Kong is now going to release on March 26th. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Late. Funny how that worked out, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're pissed off. We're irate. We're okay. We'll do that. That's fine. Who knows? Both sides appeared to have worked things out and the plan will proceed. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Why, why bring it out two months early? Unless I, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, but March, as far as I, I, Pat's making the money motion but like March. well i mean because i because i think i don't even know if it's about the early release but clearly like maybe warner brothers just wanted to go away i don't know because you know that it had to be the warner brothers gave legendary money not the other way around but legendary went from this like big line in the sand right like we're gonna fight this to just kidding yeah just just kidding. we're fine everything's fine we're fine everything's fine here uh how are you yeah, exactly. So this is going to be just like Wonder Woman 1984, right? It goes to HBO Max yeah, so, and it goes to Well, the whole th- the whole thing with the 1984 HBO Max thing is that it would release for a month on HBO Max while still in the theaters. Right. So I don't know, maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're really hopeful that by March the vaccines will that that Biden will roll this plan out, and the vaccines will be in everybody's arm. And million, hundred days, right? Yeah, and, and and if that's the case, and we can get back in the theaters, and they want to be what early adopters on the relaunch of of people going to theaters, and hey, let's get in on the ground floor of this thing and make we're going to make bank on this thing because people are going to be just so happy to go back to the movies. They're going to come out in record numbers, even though this movie will probably be mediocre as fuck, but. We're going to get people out there to, to watch this thing. And maybe that's what they're thinking. I mean, I want to see you say, you say mediocre as fucked. It's a $166 million franchise. But we know that doesn't that's, always that's, translate into a quality product. I'm just saying that's not chump change. Like people paid no, to see it. No, no, no. It's, it's not. You're right. You're absolutely right. I, I'm hopeful for it. I mean, I remember Godzilla versus King Kong from way back in the day, which was all right. You know, that sort of oh, thing. Oh, huh? Oh, no. Say he's got to go. <laughs> go, go, go. No, not the Godzilla. Blue Oyster Cult song. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I mean, I want to see it because you got two really marketable, you know, giant monsters who are going to beat the shit out of each other. I hope Kong wins are, this one. Know, I want Kong went to win are, this time. Are, are, are we certain that's what we're going to get? Because every time that the United States has tried to make a, a Godzilla or a kaiju style monster movie, we spend 
if it's a two and a half hour movie, two hours and 13 minutes following an estranged couple arguing over science before you get a half-assed monster fight at the end. I think the last movie made around the premise of either Godzilla or King Kong was pretty good. I mean, I think the last one of rel- of, of recent, like, uh, Skull Island, right? Well, well, there was that, and then there was, what, Godzilla, King of Monsters, where he took on every other yeah, oversized the- reptilian arachnoidian thing in the world mothra, mothra helps him which makes no sense because mothra is always a good kaiju mothra is always a her- heroic kaiju always always and she is yeah collateral damage i guess that's the name of the game in tokyo so stop it we we fucking watch the avengers let's talk collateral damage okay they flatten new york trying hey, to save it or batman versus <laughs> superman where metrop where gotham right. just gets annihilated yeah the backlash was so bad that they had to do this whole let's make a point to show that we're saving human beings in Sokovia. I can't, I can't. maybe we get godzilla and king kong in the four-hour justice league that we got Dude, maybe up. maybe they like go at each other and they start asking each other who their mother's names are or something like that maybe we're gonna get a moment like that Fucking oh, that is really low dave i thought you were dc why did you say that dave i i did love that part in teen martha. titans go to the movies it's martha by the way it's martha king kong and right. godzilla same thing martha yeah. martha mothra martha that, that there's so much good in Teen Titans Go to the movies. I'm glad. I'm glad you sort of enjoyed it. I liked it. Was, it was you know Dave. Yeah. Dave thought it was fine. Tony. No, Dave just it was better than fine. Better than fine. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bolton is a white tiger playing a guitar keyboard and gets run over by a van. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, if it's you were to ask me what my favorite Michael Bolton song is, I'd be like, how, how can you choose? Right. I mean. I just love Captain everything. Jack with the Lonely it's Island. It's not that one. <laughs> I, I was Mike, I was trying Mike to do Bolton. Some... Mike Bolton. <laughs> All right, let's get started here, Mike. Michael, actually, it's a it's Mike. Oh, Office Space people, watch it. Good flick. Um, I hurry this up. I got a meeting with the Bobs later. <laughs> Say hello to Lumberg for me. Anyway. You you want your stapler? I know you want your stapler. He's gonna set the building on fire. I'll burn the whole place down. I'll do it. I'll be I'll be I'll be on an island sipping my ties, and no one will ever catch me. It'll be great. Um, one thing that wasn't mentioned in this little agreement. This seems to resolve Kong ver- Godzilla versus Kong. It seems like obscure, super long, space odyssey Dune. Still no word on that. I, I, I'm going to go back to, I don't know that this is the f- the feature you fight for. Right. And like you were saying, Pat, all bullshitting aside, uh, that Godzilla franchise makes money. The Kong franchise makes money. It's marketable. Dune to, you know, to a certain niche audience is going to be marketable, but not on the grand scale you're looking for with, with what they're talking about. So yeah, drawing a line in the sand and fighting over a franchise that, some people are going to care about, but certainly not the numbers of Godzilla versus Kong. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really doesn't. But who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe this was maybe, and maybe we're just not privy to all the details. Maybe this is kind of the end of the story. Maybe it's been fixed and, and they'll have the heavy medium. Who knows? It got eyes on legendary. You know, they're bitching about this. It got eyes on them. So maybe that was the plan all along. 
for now, maybe we just keep the jump to conclusions mat underneath the bed. Good idea. I agree. Because it'll have a lot of conclusions that you can jump to. Uh, Time to jump the shark. There you go. Oh, don't. You just ruined Patrick O'Dowd as a question, by the way. Uh, anyway. A happy days related question? <laughs> Damn. I was. I, well, that's a tease. We'll okay. get to that towards the end. I, 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 I know where Netflix. you're going, man. We're going we're to shift. Netflix released a video called Netflix 2021 Film Preview Official Trailer, where they announced that every week for the year of 2021, they will be releasing a new full-length featured movie. That's 52 movies, if you do one a week. And this video wasn't just hosted by, like, some CEO. It was hosted by The Rock, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. Three, which, by the way, can we just talk about The Rock is the biggest action star on the planet? Like, period, end of discussion. He is the face and the voice right now. And who would have saw that coming in 1999? But in a a time where superheroes are king, he is the legitimate real-life superhero. Right. And Black Adam, he'll be a a DC superhero as well. So we got to think about this. I mean, segueing into wrestling briefly, they revamped WrestleMania for the next three years. And you don't think that they pushed the LA WrestleMania to 2023 in the hopes that they can have a full crowd to get the rock versus Roman. That's his strong and star power right there. Oh yeah. But this was like this video. So just, I, I, I watched it again this morning cause I was trying to just see how many famous people and there were people I didn't know, but Melissa McCarthy was in there. Um, Octavia. Um, oh God, what I'm going to forget her name. Shit. Now I'm going to have to IMDB it. Um, quick, help me out. Did you guys watch the video too, or did I just send it to you and and you just read the link? No, I watched it, but I don't remember. Spencer, Octavia Spencer was was Spencer. Spencer. Spencer? I hate you. I hate you so much. (laughs) Yes. Um, Octavia Spencer. She's doing a movie with Melissa McCarthy. They had um. God, what's her name from the Watchmen TV show that's just been on? God, my Regina King was, was another one that was on there. I swear to God, if I could punch you through the screen, Mr. Stay up. No, it's I love it. He he like for those of you, those fellow bandwagoners while you're listening, like here's what he does. Like he he throws the punch, then he throws his arms up, and I see him on the camera being like, Oh, I'm sorry, but we all know he's coming back. We all know he's coming back for another round. You know, you are the nemesis today, Tony. Pat, oh, look, he muted himself too. Pat, do you want me to hand you a twisted T through the through the TV so you can just smack him with it? Oh God! I, I, can somebody explain to me the twisted T thing? What did, is? Did this you see thing? the video? No. What What is oh, this? Oh it... God! It's 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 priceless. Like I've seen people talk about it. So there like... is there is some douchebag in a convenience store talking shit to a black guy and. Trying to tell him oh, why. I have seen that. I yeah. have seen that. And, I knew. and he gets smacked in the face with a twisted T. And now it's just gone completely viral. So now twisted T sales are going through the roofs. And it's like, I think they're going to ship a shit ton of twisted T to DC for the inauguration this week. That might be a good weapon of nice. choice. Wow. So 
Yeah, and now that I've got this back up, and I, I kind of looked a, a little bit more. So Jason Momoa is in this video. Chris Hemsworth's in this video. Jennifer Garner's in this video. Lin-Manuel Marrera's um, in this video. Halle Berry, Dave Bautista, just a who's who of people popping up on this Netflix video announcing all these movies that are coming out. I'm glad I've got the like minimized one screen because all I could see was Dave's face. I have no idea what Tony was doing right there. I just saw Dave reacted to it. But um, right there, that's got to be the most famous person who's ever liked your shit, Tony. Wow, Jake from State Farm. Yeah, good man. All right, I didn't even know Jake from State Farm had a Twitter account. <laughs> Verified, no less. Well, of course he has it. Of course he has a Twitter account. I get the PC price, just so you know. So, so can we put to bed put to the bed. concerns about artists and how they're going to get paid? Because I'm looking at this announcement, and we're going to talk about uh, another article here in a second. People are going to get paid. Yeah, I, I, I with I love Chris Platt. Good luck to his Browns today. But I think his fears are kind of unfounded when you look at the next thing we're going to talk about. Combined with you got a movie coming out on Netflix every week. Let me ask you guys this though. My concern is quality. If you're releasing a movie every single week. Uh, do we now turn into the sci-fi network where you get some real iffy sort of product being put out there? Well, yeah, there, I mean, so for example, there's a couple of these, like I've got the whole list here in front of me and a lot of them, I don't know anything about. They, they definitely highlighted the films that have like the big name actors like Idris Elba or Leonardo DiCaprio. You, you, like, saw, makes you saw one, didn't you, Pat? You were talking about one already. I saw a trailer for one that okay. I want us to do for the nerd review with okay. Anthony Mackie. Okay. That uh, is one of the first ones that came out that's called, and I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find it, but um, Outside the Wire is what it's called. It, it dropped this past week, and uh, he's a he's a soldier, but he's a cyborg. Um, and, and there's more to it than that, but it's it looks really interesting. But there's, there's movies like The Kissing Booth 3, like – did we need a did we need a trilogy of kissing booth team rom coms? <laughs> Have we seen either of the first two? The, no. The Princess the Princess Switch three. I didn't even know there was a Princess Switch one and two. Untitled Alicia Keys rom com. I don't know what that is. But I also think that you get that all the time. Right? Like we get bad movies all the time. Like it's it's a year there's yearly release schedules in the theaters it's just not one studio putting all these out and who knows how many of these are in the in the bag how many of these do we know um are are films that that maybe there aren't going to be that great there's um there's ones that i'm intrigued to see what they are like rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh because i love the teenage mutant ninja turtles and that's done by the nickelodeon cartoon company that could be like a documentary or something no, I think it's a. I think it's based because the current animated series is Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I think it's just a movie version of of that. So same ad- animators and voice cast. That was another that. good moment in Teen Titans Go where they turn the turtles around <laughs> as they're moving towards right. the spill. As they're walking towards the goo. Yeah. Uh, that's the for those of you who haven't seen Teen Titans Go to the movies. Far and away the best part of that movie, in my opinion, is when. Robin, who is desperate to be cast in his own superhero movie, figures the only way it'll happen is if there are no other superheroes to make a movie about. So he and the Titans go back in time 
to prevent every superhero who ever existed from becoming a superhero. And they started in what I think is one of the most morbid scenes in my life. They made me laugh so hard in the theater I couldn't breathe. And Dave was like, eh, it's all right. In that they prevent Aquaman from becoming a hero by sitting off a dock and tossing a plastic six-pack ring container that's empty into the ocean. And it catches Aquaman and it kills him. Like he turns into like a dolphin caught up in a plastic web and it's twisted it's macabre and it's hilarious um they prevent batman's parents from getting killed like they just stop every tragic origin story from happening but one of them that they do is that they turn the teenage mutant ninja turtles around so that they never become the teenage mutant ninja turtles and it's quite funny it's good stuff um you're a sick man patrick just saying i am i am i want the turtles to turtle are you who, what was your spirit turtle? Which of the four? Who are you? Uh, I'm a Donatello. Probably. Same. Damn. Yeah, probably same. the same. Yeah. Gotcha. Tony? You don't, you don't the, get to just throw that out there. I'm the, I'm the guy that's banging April. Oh, you're Casey Jones? No, just some random guy. Oh, okay. And I'm the one who's messed up. Uh <laughs> Oh, yeah, Raphael, motherfucker. Stop it. All right. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. I, I do think that there's going to be some clunkers. I do think there's going to be some sci-fi original movies. Maybe not Sharknado bad, but I definitely think that, yeah, Sharknado is trash. I'm sorry. I, I, I said what I said. Kurt Angle's in three, I think. Is he? Tara Reid's in a bunch of them. I, I get that people love them because they keep making them and they're making money for the actors. So good on them. I am zeroing appreciate. I know he does. Cause he ain't collecting that 90210 money anymore. So got to find it somewhere. And that Sharknado money seems to be a little bit sweeter, but yeah, content, definitely not a problem. And just some of the other names and some of these people weren't in videos in the video, but Sandra Bullock has a film out of this. DiCaprio, I mentioned Meryl Streep, Zendaya, uh, like I said, Lin-Manuel Marrera and Halle Berry, both doing their fe- feature film directorial um, debuts. Uh, of course, Marrera is doing a musical. Why wouldn't he? Netflix, for everybody's concern that Netflix was having some trouble, I think they're fine, guys. I'm looking forward to all these movies being released. Just I haven't commented on that at all. I, I really am. A lot of them seem great. If you haven't watched the trailer, you should go ahead and watch what they have upcoming because there is a lot of huge things. And to be honest with you, my whole opinion of what came into my mind when I was watching that was it's it's over. It's done. Movie going as you know it is over. There will still be movie theaters. You'll still be able to go and watch movies in the movie theater, but it's streaming. Like It coincides with the list that came out to tell you what was – well, I know we're going to talk about that. I think shortly here. Hey, we're going to we're going to actually segue right into that. So you go ahead. It, it all it all coincides. I mean, once you got numbers of what's going on on the streaming side and who's doing what, who's creating this and that and the other, now you have avenues in which Christopher Platt brought up to pay these people, in which they can find out who's legitimately worth more than the other. Right? I mean, this is where we're going. This is the future. People are not going out. It, it's not going to change two to four years right after even we get everybody vaccinated, right? People are still going to be skeptical to go out. So it's going to be a slow trickle back. Right. And that, like you said, 
the the proof is in the pudding and in the evidence, and that got revealed this week, uh, at least in terms of Niz- Di- Netflix and Disney Plus. I don't know what is wrong with me speaking today, guys. I don't know. Like the scotch, apparently, is just hitting me a little too hard. But you, that Carmella you background, man. Yeah, Hell we'll yeah. get a if you do. You need the Ron Burgundy uh, sound bite, scotch, 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 down into my belly. Yes, I I love that. That's like my favorite moment of the whole movie. Uh, and I may uh, may sing that on occasion when I drink my own scotches. But Nielsen was at a trade show today, an annual trade show, or a few days ago, was at an annual trade show, CES 2021. And they were able to reveal the most watched shows and movies of the past year on Netflix and, D- and Disney+. And it was during a, sh- a talk uh, titled... Um, streaming TV trends. And I guess what's here's what's interesting to me, Dave, because um, Tony stepped away for a second. It's not so much like what shows or movies won, it's the volume. Because when I see these numbers, <laughs> we're talking billions of streams, billions. The office. Which is the which was the most watched show on streaming for Netflix? Fifty-seven point one billion people watched The Office in some way, shape, or form, and that's moved over now to Peacock. So, congrats to Peacock in reclaiming that content because you definitely got a winner there. Well, and they they added something on for fans that have seen everything 500 times already and that are going to go back and watch it again because they can't fall asleep is they have extras added on there and different interviews, too. So I haven't checked it out yet. I don't know how good it is, but there you go. It's probably going to be even higher. Right. And I don't think it's any surprise that a lot of these the shows that were downloaded like and then we'll talk about movies in a second because they they held their own as well. But the top three are all shows that. um we're on network television are still available to stream Grey's Anatomy, which is still going with new content uh, as, as a show. 39.4 billion people watch Criminal Minds, which I got to tell you, that's one of my folks favorites. You know, probably, you know, that Dave Ungar age bracket loves them some, you know, some procedurals. And so Criminal Minds with its 35.4 billion views um, they were, they were right up there. The, the biggest original content from Netflix, uh, and I've actually am not one of these people. I've not watched this Ozark, uh, at 30.5 billion watt viewers, whether, you know, streams, or I don't even know how this number is. I think it counts every time you play an episode. Right. So that's, you know, 30.5 billion episodes streamed. That's that's ridiculous. And yeah, some of that's rewatching uh and redownloading. Okay. Wait, 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 hold on. No, no, no. I I'm reading the rest oh, of this it? article here. It? It's it's in minutes. That's in minutes streamed. So this is thirty point five billion minutes. So basically you can say one billion times Ozark, a show of Ozark was watched. If it's thirty minutes, if it's sixty minutes, whatever, you can do the math. So basically take the percentage of the minutes um that it's saying that's how many minutes it was streamed in, in twenty twenty. Now, you know what I do find surprising? It made the top 15, but I, I guess I half expected it to be bigger. But our favorite, The Mandalorian, only at 14.5 billion minutes. Now, those episodes are super short. 
right? Like you got some 20 minute episodes. But here's the thing though. People are going back and watching episode of episode of episode of episode of right. episode. And the time when nobody has anything to do and nobody can go anywhere, you're going back and watching your favorite things. So it makes sense that more familiar shows would have been streamed for more minutes. Like well, I would love to see different analytics as opposed to yeah. number of episodes watched and things of that nature or viewers watched each show. And I, and I am interested. I would love to see you know, the other services too. Cause I'd be interested to see where the boys ranks, um, over at Amazon. Um, you know, just some of those, other, those other shows that exist on other, other platforms. And I, and I agree with you, Tony, and it's not even that you may rewatch the whole show. Like I've rewatched the finales of season two of the Mandalorian and Ted Lasso, since that's become my new obsession more than once already. Uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, got a big boost with its final season and people kind of being able to discover it for the first time when that reached Netflix and you watch it in its entirety. That was number six NCIS. That doesn't really surprise me. Supernatural, which just finished its season, uh, Lucifer, which moved over to Netflix as an original series. Shameless, which is a favorite of yours, right, Tony? Like you're the one, is that the one? Yeah, with so the, right. I think the deal with Shameless. I believe it's a Cinemax show, but the deal with Shameless is they do have Cinemax has a deal with Netflix where after a certain amount of time the season gets released on Netflix. So mm-hmm. excellent series, excellent, excellent series. There's about nine seasons. Yeah, really the crown is, lots yeah, of tips. Just kind of, yeah, just go, <laughs> just going down the rest of the list. The Crown, uh, also a Netflix show. Tiger King. I remember the Tiger King obsession. I watched an episode of tiger king just to see what the big deal was and was like i can't do this new girl the zoe deschanel uh comedy the mandalorian the blacklist which that one i'm not familiar with what's the blacklist either of you know it's that, uh james, Spader. james yeah my wife loves that show pat absolutely loves black is, is that a procedural I, sort of no. it's more of a um it's kind of like along the lines more like 24 right tony sort of something like that yeah, a little bit. It's more spy stuff. James Spader walks the line between good and bad, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's a great actor, so it works. It's what life. he picked up after Boston Eagle and his stint with The Office. But, Patrick, why couldn't you watch The Tiger King is my question to you. And I think it might have been the same reason I couldn't. I watched literally the first half of the first episode and went, I can't watch animals being abused. I don't want anything to do with this. And a lot of people go, that's really – that doesn't it's really only in the first couple episodes and i'm like i don't really care i don't want to watch it anymore i mean that was a that was a big part of it and just like even when i watch like anything i watch i got to be able to get behind somebody like as i'm watching this and there's literally nothing redeemable about that show like as i watch like it's not even like i felt better about myself i was like these are terrible people who should be held accountable for what they did to both animals and each other and it just it was, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't watch it. When they showed the guy at the beginning or the middle or whatever part of the first episode where he had the snow leopard or whatever in his van and it was yeah, 90 degrees. Was I was like, I know this all already happened already, but I don't, I'm not enjoying this. And I turned it off and I never turned it back on again. And I don't even know how many minutes that is into that. I literally felt my IQ going down watching the trailer. So yeah. <laughs> You know, and those are minutes of your life you can never get back. It's like, God damn, there's two minutes of my life I'll never get back. I'm not going to watch another minute of this. I 
I feel like you do too, Dave. I was not inclined to watch it. It was it was not like I watched this episode the first week it came out. This was months after all the and I'm like, okay, what's the fucking big deal? And I that's all I could handle. Because yeah, people love watching a train wreck. Sure. It's the same reason that the freeway gets slowed down even though the accident's completely off to the side and not even in the fucking way. There you go. Or why people watch so, NASCAR. I kinda wish to get back to a, to the, just the views and stuff. I'd like that they gave us this list of shows and what people streamed. I would have been interested to see a full list of movies. What they did do is they um, shared a top five uh, out of, uh, of films that have been streamed. And most of them are actually it's from Disney Plus, where I guess that's where Disney Plus has done really well. Um, Frozen 2 was watched fourteen for 14.9 billion minutes. Moana, still going strong. And that movie's a couple years old. Speaking of The Rock, 10.5 billion minutes. This one surprised me. The Secret Life of Pets 2 at third place with 9.1 billion minutes. It surprises me, but it doesn't because it's a kid's movie. And if you want to play on a child and keep it quiet, put an animated feature in front of them. But Secret Life of Pets 2 kind of surprised me. And I liked the first one. Uh, Onward, also a Disney flick. And then bringing up the uh, the final uh, number five was The Grinch, the animated Grinch, when it was on its run during the holiday season uh on netflix so not a surprise that those are all animated films i guess not when you look at the franchises the frozen franchise right. i mean gee. well and i think that this to me speaks a lot to the pandemic as much as anything in the sense that like i and i speak as a parent keeping my eight-year-old entertained and occupied streaming services have been a godsend like and he watches some more mature stuff. Uh, he he likes watching live action stuff a little bit more than animated things. Uh, I was surprised. Well, it's an HBO Max streaming film, so maybe that's not what it's on there. But Scoob is one that I've talked about a lot. That's really cute. The Scooby Doo movie. Uh, we watched that. Like when we got it, we watched it like three times just within the day that we bought it. So not a big surprise at all. But this tells you again. They're 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 finding a way to get the views, and if they're getting the views, they're bringing in revenue. We just don't know what that stream looks like. Yeah, they're doing just fine. Nothing to worry about <laughs> when you're drawing numbers like Ooh, that. People, there's nothing to see here. Uh, it's I mean, those are some ridiculously strong numbers, but it, it does tie into what Tony's saying. Um, you're watching in front of you the evolution of the industry and probably the death of movie theaters as we know them. You know, if you're going to get content like that, it's like, why do I have to go to the movies? I got, you know, a new movie coming out on net. What's on Netflix this week? What are they releasing this week? Why do I have to leave my home? Well, now you don't have to worry about the about the disease anymore. It's your home. It's your home. Yeah, why don't you just go home? <laughs> suck my white. Suck my white ass, Paul. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So that I think that settles the streaming question. Um, to a degree, I think that more will shake out. I still, I still disagree with you, Dave. I don't think that theaters will completely die. Um, I do think that there's still going to be a place for the epic film-going experience. I just think that it's not ever going to be the experience that we had. You yeah, know what I mean? As, I don't think they're going to completely die, or, but it is right. It's an evolution like, taking place. It's going to have. It's. I think it's going to become a luxury thing as much as anything with a huge experience. Like I think that for example, you're going to see the chairs become more and more 
recliner friendly with tray tables with wait staff coming up to you you'll see more alcohol at movie theaters you're going to see better food options at movie theaters to go to see the movies and the technology is going to continue to grow and so you're still going to see pieces that will only be able to be done in a movie theater first in certain experiences that you just like i don't think avatar as much as I make fun of those movies, the next Avatar movies will be better experiences in theaters. Dune will be a better experience in theaters. So what are the ways to capitalize more off of the movie-going experience for the movie industry? And how can they make more money as less and less people go, right? Obviously, food and beverage. They've already started to do that. But what about what we do? What about all the people that are in their own areas that listen to podcasts or enjoy the hell out of all the history and tradition of everything that goes with different kind of movies that we talk about all the time? What about an experience where you have a Q&A or maybe something like that beforehand and afterhand where you go through the whole movie seeking experience and you get to discuss actually what you saw or what you're anticipating before or afterhand for the movie? Yeah, I and I think there's something that has done that to a small degree. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of where I am. It's called Fathom Events. Have you have you heard of Fathom Events? So at my movie theater um, in my chain, it's Cinemark, uh, they have Fathom Events. And there's a bunch of different really interesting things that they do. So they, um, w- it's one of those companies that will do like live concerts in the movie theater. So you can pay for a ticket to say, see Bruce Springsteen perform live somewhere and you see it on a movie theater but they've done like they always have like like what like like close circuit back in the day yeah or they um they have a deal with the new york metropolitan opera and so they have opera performances on saturday and sunday afternoons and the ticket costs a little bit more but it's a different experience and and an opportunity experience as arts but they also do have shows where they will do um um riff tracks but uh, which used to be Mystery Science Theater 3000, where they will do a show and then have a Q&A sort of session where you could submit questions and they'll they'll answer them. And so I think that there's a market there, Tony. I think you're onto something. It's just um, can that can that take off? And and you get, that you hit on it. They have to offer something that we can't get at home because if we can get it at home, we're going to watch it at home. Right. And look at what's going on right now. Like I mean, if somebody wanted to grab and go ahead and be like, hey. You know, we have these different people lined up and set up going on that produce this different kind of movie going experience in the movies they're watching. So you only need local hosts and you can be like, okay, so it's a Kevin Smith movie. How many people do you think would pay at least an extra $25 to $30 to go sit in the movie theater to watch this? And afterwards, they get to have a real quick Q&A where 10 people randomly get drawn from the audience to ask Kevin Smith a question as he comes on over the projection over over social media. I mean, you kidding me? This is a goldmine waiting to happen. Right, right. I, I definitely think that that's, there's real merit to that. Dave, any thoughts? Well, no, just I think Tony's on to something that you've got to make. You've got to make the movie going experience unique to what you're going to be able to get at home which has always been the case. And now as technology in the home front matches what you've got in the movies, you know, honest, uh, you know, not everybody's going to have a setup like DP has in the Thunderdome, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's right. So uh, yeah, I mean, if they're going to offer something at the movie experience that you can't replicate at home and, and that's, that's going to be their secret to their longevity and their ability to stay profitable. Can I, can I, 
take a little bit of some hot coals from another fire that's just started and put it back over on the DP hatred side. Do you want to know what that fucker went out and got? Oh, God. Go with his PS5. No, what did he get? An Xbox Series X? Well, I mean, the PS5, it, it, you, can, you can enjoy it visually through 4K technology, correct? Which is a 120-inch HD projection screen did not have. So he had to go out and get a 75-inch 4K TV. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, there you go. Yep. More Just, yep. power to you, DP. Like, wow. Wow. And not only that, underneath it, he's got... A <laughs> yeah, that's right. Give it to DP, crowd. So this is all in his Thunderdome, which is in his basement. So it gets a little cool in the basement. So he bought a brand new entertainment center that goes underneath this TV. And in the middle of this entertainment center is a space heater. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, here, you know. Boo this man. Boo him. We will boo this man. We'll boo him again. Damn it. With his fancy technology. That's right. What a jerk. So much Fuck love you, for DP. So What's much that? love for DP. Oh gosh, uh, you know, and here's the thing: is Tony, you've had, I, I got to tell you some some spot on ideas today, some great points. I'm I'm really liking you saving the theater industry, and and the studio audience agrees. Like they feel you've done a really great job. So, um, you know, pat yourself on the back. It's well earned. It's well earned. We uh we're we're just about out of topics. I I did have one quick one that I want to do. You know. Last few shows seems like when I when I've done a happy I've had to do like a, a melancholy happy trails to somebody and so today I'm kind of excited to wish a couple of happy birthdays as we record this on Sunday as it is the 90th birthday of Darth Vader's voice himself James Earl Jones happy birthday to James Earl and it is the 99th birthday of one immortal Betty White. Happy birthday. I know they both listen to the podcast. So, you know, happy birthday to both of you. I hope you've enjoyed the the hour and a half to two hours that you spend with us every week. And we just want to make sure that we shout you out appropriately. But, you know, every Betty White's resurgence of popularity. And I don't even quite understand where it came from, other than she was just this like cute old lady who swore and was funny. Like, and it just kept going. Like, that just seemed to work to where now she's like a national treasure. And I think there will be a legitimate day of mourning when that unfortunate time happens. Uh, they report but, her death every single iconic. year. Falsely report her death every year. I, You know what? I want to just tell you guys something. I, I just want to thank you for being a friend. We've traveled around the world and back again. But your hearts are true. You guys are pals and you're confidants. crowd today tough crowd you you were doing so well man you were doing you were doing so well my wife said we need to talk more after sex so she called me on the telephone (laughs) (laughs) but what more can we say about james earl jones by the way i mean when you consider that man's career a man who had a debilitating stutter that he overcame to become the voice of you know, CNN, obviously Darth Vader, 
to have this commanding presence on a screen, to be king um, of Zamunda and, and carry a comedy and yet still hold his dignity pretty strongly. And coming back for Coming to America too, by the way. And be Terrence Mann in Field of Dreams. And be Mr. Merkel from Sandlot in a plethora of other things that you can just list oh. off. I mean, man. You man. said your finger was a gun. That's right. <laughs> It's not my fault. You wouldn't have to catch with your father. <laughs> I love that. Field of Dreams is one of my favorites. So, oh, absolutely. But yeah, I just glad to see that. And, and not that. And these two haven't slowed down. I think that's the great thing that that has been endearing about the two of them is you know Betty White. You know she's not making tons of appearances and stuff, but like she's still making appearances. She's still you know out there. Like she'll do interviews. She's done documentaries about herself and. You know, like I said, James Earl Jones still acting at age 90. That's amazing. Just amazing. So happy birthday to James Earl Jones and Betty White. Agreed. Somebody, where's the, where's the applause for them? Jeez. I, I, I minimized FUBAR. Sorry for a minute. <laughs> FUBAR. There, there you go. There's the applause. The studio audience is back. All right. Well, that just Remember leaves one thing. Remember Private Ryan when he learns what FUBAR means? Right. I do remember that. It's spelled differently on, on, on this one. It's spelled F-O-O-B-A-R, not F-U-B-A-R. So we've got that going for us. That's going to just about wrap up the show. It's time for Patrick O'Dowd has a question. Dave actually uh, spoiled it a little bit talking about happy days. But I was I was sitting there and I was watching. I told you guys that I've had this obsession with watching reruns of Quantum Leap ever since I discovered that you could stream them for free on Netflix or on NBC, right? If you have a cable provider, you sign in with your cable provider, you can watch it on NBC. And I've gotten really, really far into, yeah, Ziggy ain't working. Um, but I got, I've gotten really, really far into the show and it's, I, I finally hit this moment. The last season of Quantum Leap is, now it's a show that was shortened uh early like it ended prematurely um and the series finale was an unplanned series finale because it got it just it got a little too weird and big for its britches by the time we got to season five the main character sam is leaping into the bodies of people like marilyn monroe leave lee harvey oswald elvis fixing problems in time as like these famous people and there's this phrase made famous by happy days called jumping the shark where there's this, there's the episode that jumps the shark and, and in ha- and happy days when what it means is the show goes from kind of good to terrible. And in happy days that, that episode was the Fonzie as they try to keep having him do cool things is at a beach in water ski- skis, having to jump over a live shark through like a ring of fire, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that too. I can't remember what, um, something like that. but it's just, it's a terrible episode and the show goes downhill from there. So my question to the two of you is what is a show of yours that you loved that honestly jumped the shark? And what was that jump the shark moment for you? Oh, wow. Tony, you got anything on this? I'm trying, I got to think about this for a moment. Tony did not hear the question because his earbuds were not in. 
<laughs> a show, a jump the shark moment in a show. Oh man. A show that you loved and you still loved even after jump the shark, but you knew a jump the shark. What was the jump the shark moment for you? You know, I mean, I'll go first. If, oh, yeah. if it'll help. Go ahead, man. I want to so, hear what you have to I'm, say. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of the, uh, and Greg DeMarco actually turned me on to the show, but I was a big fan of the, uh, the TV show alias, uh, with Jennifer Garner. And in its first couple of seasons, when it's very much about spies and intrigue and kind of this like James Bond sort of storytelling thing, it was really, really cool. But in, I think it was around the third or fourth season, I can't remember when it exactly was, the like evil head of her organization that she was combating starts getting really, it turns into this like really obsessed with the occult sort of show. And it gets away from kind of the cool tech gadgy stuff and really gets into, I must get this like stone box thing that'll grant me immortality. And it just got goofy and resulted in its untimely demise on season in its fifth season, which by the way, alias part of the subscription. If you have Amazon prime, you can watch on Amazon prime video, but that was one for me. Scrubs is another one. I always talk about how much I love the show Scrubs in the uh, writer's strike sorting season, the uh, season finale for that one. First of all, season f- six, I think it was six or seven. I think it was six was all out of order. Like all the episodes were out of order because of the, the writer's strike. But there was uh, an episode that was kind of the season finale that was done as a take on the princess bride. And it's just not a good episode and really kind of took the show down for a little bit before it, it resurged through season seven and eight and before doing an ill fated ninth. So those are my two. Wow. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm like, like the Brady bunch, like when cousin Oliver appears, it seemed like the show kind of, kind of went in a bad direction at that point. That, that, I mean, that's what I think like, uh, like, I mean, I was never the biggest fan of Charlie's Angels, but probably because like Farrah Fawcett was there for one season and she was everything to a lot of us adolescent boys back then. And not to say that Cheryl Ladd wasn't great as a replacement because she was. Well, I'm going to say that she wasn't great as a replacement because she wasn't Farrah. That sort of thing. I mean, those are ones that they're just casting changes where they did something and the show just never seemed to recover from that. But I'm trying to think of stuff where they just did something dumb. And yeah, I mean, ju- the Jump the Shark episode for Happy Days is one of them. Um, <sighs> What's funny is you're old enough to remember Happy Days, like I when rem- it first. I remember it real well. I mean, I mean, Happy Days had multiple ones though. I mean, it was the Jump the Shark. It was when Richie left. You know, it was never the same once Ron Howard left the show. I mean, that that thing it, it just went in a real fucking weird direction. Stuff like that. I mean, Laverne and Shirley was in Milwaukee, your your hometown or your main town, Tony. Yeah, I mean. Shlemiel, Shlemazel. Didn't they move to California? What? What's that? What'd you just say? Something about scissoring? What'd you say? Shlemiel, Shlemazel. Or scissoring, as they used to call it back in the 70s. Whatever works for you. I got you. Didn't they move to California for a period of time and the show went downhill from there? I couldn't tell you. I'm not that versed in, uh, you know, Laverne and Shirley history. Carmine, the big ragu? I feel a little squiggy about the conversation. Yes, indeed. Uh, I got you. I see. I see how you. Uh, I see how you roll that. Patrick's losing it today. Slowly but surely losing it. He's gonna make me do this again. 
Why couldn't Ray be here? PC would have talked so much less. I'll tell you one of my bigger disappointments was like Six Million Dollar Man's always been my favorite show. The stuff with the bionic woman was great. When they brought her back to life and she didn't remember him at all was such a disappointment for, for me. Like, because you really want to see them be together. And it's like, ah, shit, they're going to do that, aren't they? So for me, I'll give you this one. And it's, it's a pretty big show. It's one of the biggest shows of, of this, you know, 2000, you know, transition from the 1900s, this century. Uh, two and a Half Men, the concept in which they presented Ashton Kutcher. I'm not going to say that the episodes weren't good and people didn't watch that, but as as a whole, like, they pretty much jumped the shark right there. Like, you know, we already were stretching the imagination at the end of that. And granted, you know, there's good actors and a great premise, but for me, I'll, I'll use that as my example. Nice, good one. Character changes or character departures are always a big one. Like, I always think about what happened to that 70s show after Topher Grace left, right? Like, Eric Foreman leaves, and they try to keep going with another season. It just didn't work the same. So... Yeah, good good choices, everyone. And yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, looking forward to next week. We're going to talk some more WandaVision and who knows what the nerd sphere will bring us. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show. Again, happy birthday to Betty White and James Earl Jones. That's going to do it for us here on the ChairShot Radio Network and the ChairShot.com. Before we go, David Ungar, PC Tunney, tell everybody where to find you. Go first. Tony, you can uh-huh. find you can find me at PC Tony and all over the Chairshot.com. Make sure you check out Chairshot Radio every single morning, eight a.m. Eastern. And you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude Agg on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And remember, kids, you can go to the Chairshot.com and get in the back door with the password foreskin. Oh, there you go, foreskin. Thank you, and. You can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Listen to me every sun, um, yeah, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with David Ungar on the Chairshot Radio. Listen to us every Monday here with Bandwagon Nerds. And you can also find me on Wednesdays on the Greg DeMarco Show with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Check out the Nerd Review. Dave and I this past week reviewed Teen Titans Go to the Movies. That dropped last Thursday. We drop one every Thursday. This week, we're going all the way back to the 80s. And we're going to talk about the precursor to Hackers, War Games, starring Matthew Broderick. Classic, classic fi- uh, film that I just happened to catch on TV and Dave and I were like, let's cover it. So that'll do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and check out Netflix movies because apparently a new one's coming out every week. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I'm just an average man with an average life. I work from nine to five. Hey, hell, I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone.
I really don't want to play this game. I come on, Steven! Woman. Woman. Uh, man? No. <laughs> All right. Peanut. <laughs> Penis. Penis. Vagina? Yes! 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 I would have said Sean. <laughs> hey, now we're starting to get this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.